We're in our Dig Deep series, and what we've been talking about is these false narratives, things we believe about ourselves, things we believe about God, and how those things change us, and how we enter into situations oftentimes because we have a false idea of God. Maybe it's been something we've been told about him since we were very little, or maybe we've been told something false about ourselves, so we think God thinks about us like our peers used to think about us, or our parents used to think about us, or that horrible co-worker thinks about you or whatever. And what we've been trying to do is we've been trying to clear all this up. What I want to talk about this morning, we've, we've been talking about different uh, attributes of God, that he's love, that he's good, that he's holy. Uh, this morning we're going to talk about the fact that God is self-sacrificing. And uh, when I was growing up, uh, like I told you uh, back when I talked about my dad being an alcoholic and just that chaotic environment, uh, well, he, he became sober. He's been sober for 35 years. When he became sober, when he came to Christ, really, he, he got sober, and he became a pastor, a Presbyterian pastor. Now, uh, without boring you with all the details, Presbyterians are what we call Calvinists, okay? And not, uh, so I have a picture of Calvin uh, right here, and... Um, <laughs> That's not the Calvin. You're like, Calvinist? I love that guy. Uh, no. This is Calvin, who doesn't look nearly as happy as, uh, as the other Calvin. Uh, that's just, it's fear the beard, man. That thing's smoking. And then, and then there was a picture of him that I thought was really cool. Like this, because he's just like, hey, what's up? You know? Just like, how's it going? I'm Calvin. I got some big theological thoughts. What, what am I pointing to? I have no idea. So there's probably something uh, like I'm with stupid. He's got a little sign. I don't know what it is. But, but that's just a picture of him that I thought you'd like. And um, so, so I grew up with that theology of Calvin. And basically it's this. And, and if you're Calvinist, I'm not trying to make fun of you. And I'm butchering the theology for the sake of time. We can talk for the next 500 years on it. Oh, that's how old he is. So uh, we've been talking about this for a long time. But basically the idea is this. God is sovereign. And kind of should not be questioned. And so what God did was he predestined everything. He kind of uh, got us all. He knew some people were going to heaven. He knew some people were going to hell. He picked the one that would kind of gave him the best glory. And, and, and then he said, you know, run program. And he hit return. And, and then the program started. And now here we are. And I guess you guys made it. Congratulations. Or, uh, and then those who aren't here, like, like another church, they didn't. It's so sad. Uh, but no, I'm kidding. But that's basically the theology. It, I, I, like I said, I haven't done it any justice, but that's kind of the idea. I don't know if you ever saw the, the movie War Games where the, the, computers ha, you know, the computer takes over and it, it runs all those different scenarios and it gets to the end and it's like, nobody can win a nuclear war, you know? And then he's like, do you want to play chess or whatever? And I don't know why he talks like this. Anyway, uh, so, um, so they get to all this thing and, and it's, like, it's like that's kind of how I pictured God growing up, that God... He created the world. We blew it. So we're, we're totally depraved. And then um, God just kind of like sat there and just went through all the scenarios of every human being ever born, ever will be born. And then he just came up with this program and said, run program. And really, we can't really question it because that's God. Now, having studied and read and thought and prayed and all this, I happen to be in the other camp uh, uh, it's uh, the Arminian camp. And this, basically, again, I'm butchering the theology. This is basically that you get to choose. You get to make a choice. That you, you decide. 
something's presented to you and God has given you free will. And that, in fact, when you start to think about it, you think, wow, you mean I can actually change the course? Well, yeah, we're going to talk about that. But this, these are the two camps. Now, the reason I bring this up is because how you view God in, the, in those particular terms are going to be how you think he's relating to you at any given time. See, in the, in, the, in the Calvin camp, in the predestination camp, there really is no self-sacrifice. It was already, program was done, it's done, it's going on, we're just waiting until glory. And then once that happens, then I guess there's another programmer or whatever. In the Arminian view of things, it's that God, actually, this is a real, real relationship where I can make decisions that affect how God feels. Now, for you, you made, for me, for a long time, the idea that God would feel something made, made it sound like he was less. Like I was, um, uh, I butchered the word last week, anthropomorphizing, an- making him like a man, okay? And, um, and so, uh, and so I, I was bothered with the idea that I could make God sad or make him happy or um, I, I, could, I could affect God's emotions. But what if it's true? What if God is really self-sacrificing? Now, we think of self-sacrificing and that he sacrificed Jesus on the cross. Uh, and that definitely was a huge sacrifice. And we're going to be talking about that. But what about the other sa- kinds of sacrifices? Those that have risk. Those where, I don't know if any of you have ever dated and you liked the person a lot. And, and the, that person hasn't really said anything. Or, and so you're just thinking to yourself, man, I don't know if I should tell him I like him. Like, we've been friends for a long time or whatever. So back in high school, um, I had been stalking, I mean, uh, following Lisa for a, a while. Um, and, and we were just friends and stuff. And I remember the day when I decided, man, I, I had to take this to the next level, you know, because I'm a player. No, uh, <laughs> I just decided I'm going to take it to the next level. And so, because so, uh, I'm a man, I, I was very courageous. And I, I was like, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to tell her exactly what I want. I'm a man. So I went to her best friend and I went, um, <laughs> I went, hey, you know, you know, so you think Lisa might like me? And what if I took, can I uh, ask her? I was trying to avert risk. I, I was like, I'd rather be turned down by her friend telling me Lisa doesn't like me than actually face to face. Like, Feeling that rejection, okay? This unequivocated love, it's not returned back. And so I went to her friend Tina, and I'm like, hey, and then, and then you know, they go, because we were in high school, right? And I was like a little schoolgirl. And, um, and so then we ended up getting married, so it worked out really great. Um, so, yeah, yeah. And, and, we're still, and we're still married. I'm going to get John Calvin off of there because he's creeping me out. He's like, what's wrong with this guy? Yeah. Okay. Um, so so uh, that's a risk to, to just go forward and to just say, I love you. I love you. I want this, I mean, you know, I want this to work. I want to have a relationship with you. We don't, that, that is risky. That, you're, you're putting it out there. You know, God has done that to you. God has taken the first move, the first step. We've been talking about this idea of false narratives. And one of the false narratives is that I have to move towards God. I got to work. I got to do this kind of stuff. I got to get my life together. I'm always moving towards God. The real narrative, the true narrative is that God is constantly moving towards you. Constantly trying to make that first step. 
You see it all through scripture. Where you see God just pleading with Israel. Hey, there's, there's, a, there's a book in the Bible that basically talks about Israel cheating on God. And God takes her back and then she cheats on him again. That's the kind of level of emotion we're talking about with God, the God of the universe. He feels something. He's self-sacrificing. He, he takes risks and comes and says, says I want to have a relationship with you. And when we say no, it bothers him. Well, one of the ways we get to the heart of God is we look at God himself, Jesus. And we, and we think to ourselves, did Jesus feel this? Did Jesus feel rejection? Did Jesus feel happiness? Did Jesus feel uh, certain things? And, and oftentimes we attribute that to his humanness. Well, yeah, because he was God and then, and then, and, and, and so he did, those emotions were kind of just because he was in a body and, and that's the things that happened. But I, 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 don't, I think scripture paints an entirely different story. As a matter of fact, I, I want to look at some uh, verses real quick. We're going to look in um, Colossians first, and then, um, and then we're going to uh, move into Philippians and back to Colossians again. But I, I want us to understand this. This is just an incredible uh, verse here. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Isn't that mind-blowing? In Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. If you've ever been to church and uh, you've heard people talk about that, you know, Jesus is God, one of the reasons you've heard that is because of this verse. This one pretty clearly states that Jesus came and he was, he was God who came in bodily form. Now, now, that means that when you see Jesus doing something, when you see him upset, when you see him have a heart of compassion, it says in the Bible, it says in Hebrews that Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy. He was joyful. That's why I hate whenever there's a movie about Jesus and he looks like he just got his tax, you know, bill, like, it, like all the time, you know. It's like, that's not Jesus. Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy. He, he felt joy. He felt anger. When he went into the, when he went into the temple, he was ticked because they had made the, his, the, the house of God. A den of thieves. They were cheating people. And he turned over the, the tables. It, that was real anger. That wasn't just, well, it's, you know, turn over tables in three, two, one, you know, run program. He was mad. He was mad. When he went to Lazarus' tomb, and, and he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, but, but he still felt that. He still wept. He still cried. That, that God was doing that. God was flipping over the tables. God was angry. And when Jesus hung on the cross, God was hanging on the cross. God is self-sacrificing. He makes that first step. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. It goes on and says, and in Christ, you've been uh, brought to fullness. He is the head uh, over every power and authority. And this is just phenomenal news that that God that Jesus would be the head over every power and authority and yet he feels for you he loves you now I want you to think about your life because again as we get into these false narratives we get into these ideas that that you know maybe we have some regret in our life and, and just in a group this size I just guarantee you 
there's a percentage of us who look back on this regret and it, it's, it's, a, it's a, what identifies us. We made that mistake and it just carries with us. And that's our identity. That is not God's identity for you. That's not what God thinks about you. God longs to have a relationship with you. God longs to take those things and to push them off to the side and to say, that is no longer you. That's dead now. We're going to enter into this new thing. We're going to enter into a new level of our relationship. It's going to be awesome. And when we say no, he feels. But he's the head over every power and authority. And yet, as the head over every power and authority... He comes down to us, taking the first step, going, would you give that up? Would you sacrifice a little bit in this relationship? I kind of feel like I'm doing everything. You ever have that? Uh, maybe not? Okay, well, I, 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 one time I heard that. Uh, watch what it go, goes on in Philippians. Listen to this. This is just mind-blowing. You've probably heard this, and for those of you who read your Bible all the time, you'd probably be like, I know this verse. Uh, who, being in very nature God, okay, Again, this is another one of those verses where we get the idea that when Jesus did something, God did something. Does that make sense? So, be, who being in very nature God did not, recall, uh, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Couldn't, have God, couldn't God have started the relationship off a different way? With authority and power? You're coming with me. Let me see your papers. <laughs> come on, you know, grab you by the ear. You know, come on, let's go. No. He didn't, he didn't regard equality with God something to be held on to. He's by the very nature of God. And he doesn't use it to his advantage, which he could. He sacrificed. He self-sacrificed. He's so patient and kind. So it says uh, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, uh, he made himself Nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Wow. God the Son enters our world in the lowliest of all conditions, in an ordinary life, in a manger, 30 kind of mundane years, really. The last three were pretty important. But 30 years just kind of hanging with people. That's what he did for us. That's what he sacrificed for us. Not just on the cross. And, and, and we definitely will be going there. But he took the first step. He took the risk. He gives you an opportunity to go, no, I, I'm good, thanks. And it affects him. And so it says, that he rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in, in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Not only did Jesus humble himself, being equivalent with God to just put on a body, which is humbling enough, but then he takes that body and he serves. He takes another step and he serves. Remember when he was in the upper room? God was washing the disciples' feet. That is self sacrifice. God, the God of the universe, strapped on, zipped up a body, and he went down, and he used that body and washed the disciples' feet, and he said, I'm doing this as an example. Thank you. Good. Yeah, sorry. I, I know. I hate it when pastors do that to me. So it's like, as a, what? Okay, here we go. 
I'm doing it as an example. So he, he comes, appearance as a man, he humbles himself, and then, and then after he washes their feet, he dies for us. Another, yet another step of self-sacrifice because that's how valuable you are to him. Now, I don't know how you think about yourself. If you think of yourself clothed in regret and if you think of yourself as the, the sum of the mistakes you've made, if you think of yourself of who you, you want to be that you, maybe you're never kind of making it up there. God does not see you that way. God, God sees you as valuable and wanting a relationship. And you say, well, that, that's, that sounds great. And we're going to have an opportunity to, to, to make that declaration together. But what does it mean for me here and now? And I want to I jump back to uh, Colossians. He says this. This is how he sees you. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Since this is your position now. Not some of your regrets, not this or that. It's like when you say yes to Christ, you enter into this position with him of let's go do this now. And so he says, but since we're here, since, since you've said yes, let's have the best possible relationship we can. Since I went through all this and I, I did this and I, I, I came as man and then I, 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 I washed feet and I healed and I cared about the poor, I cared about the broken, I cared about the lost, I died on the cross. Since now you've said yes, we enter in this relationship, now let's, let's not hold back. Let's not just make it a, a thing. It's like, it's like now that we're married, let's not just have a mediocre marriage. Now that we've had this baby, let's not make it just, let's not be mediocre parents. Let's, let's think of any relationship. God says, I want you to enter the kingdom of God. Putting those other things aside. Watch, so he says this. He says, uh, since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above. Where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. He's back up to where he was supposed to be. And he's saying, this is where we want you. This is where we want your mindset. This is where we want you thinking. I don't want you stuck in those things that are weigh you down, that are not important, that don't satisfy. And so he goes on. Now, now, um, I want you to get this phrase. I didn't highlight it. I should have highlighted it. It says, set your mind on things above. So it talks about first set your heart on things above and set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. That, that part that made regrets and all this kind of stuff, that part's dead. It's, it's done. Now listen. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. I want that phrase, that particular phrase to get into your brain because we're going to do an exercise this week where you're going to need that phrase. I promise you. They get, I told you, they get harder every week. This one's not, not, not a picnic. Okay, so it says, you, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. We're going to talk about what that means in just a second. Then it goes on, it says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. I'm going to go back to that other thing about your life is now hidden with Christ in God. There are a couple of things I want to talk about this morning just to make this applicable to us. It's fantastic that God was self-sacrificing, that, that he took the step, that, that he came towards us. And 
And, and I'm thankful that Jesus did that too. But here's the thing. It is an example for us to then be self-sacrificing. It's an example for us to now look, where do I need to make that first step? The Bible sometimes calls this forgiveness. Where, where we, we're in a situation where we've been wronged and there should be retribution or restitution. But we self-sacrifice. We take the first step and you go, you know what? I, my life is hidden with Christ in God. I don't, I, don't need to, I don't need that. I can let that go. Maybe you're wronged in the, in the workplace. Somebody says something and everyone laughs or whatever. And that kind of gets in your mind. And you think, you know what? No, I'm going to, as Christ, as what God showed me, as he came to me, I'm now going to self-sacrifice. Maybe it's a goal you've had and, and, and it's been taking up all your time and energy and, and, and people around you have been uh, neglected and, and, and maybe it's just time to let that thing go. And you say, man, if I, if I let that dream go, then I, I saw myself as this and that means I'm just going to be right here. No, you are not going to be right here. Your life is hidden with Christ and God. And so we, we come to him because he's self-sacrificing, because he showed us that he took that first step as an example for us now to do, to do the same. Well, I'm going to let you in on what our, um, what our exercise is for this week. Um, and like I said, I, I, I've done all these, not, not well, uh, but I've, I've, I really try to make it a thing that I don't have you do something that I'm not willing to do. But here's what's going to happen this week. You're going to enter into conversation. You're going to be at a thing. You're going to be doing whatever. And your discipline is to remain silent. Even if you know you're right. Even if you have an advantage. Even if it's facts and you got them and they're like right on your iPhone and you're like, read them and weep, big boy, right? I mean, like you've got all the advantage. You are right. And you're going to remain silent. You're going to hold it in. Now, let me just give you a few things. You cannot remain silent like this. You know, like whatever thing to show. That was awesome. You wish you had a picture of that, didn't you? Oh, God, I'm going to do it one more time right now. I'm not going to do it. Okay. Right? So, so, so you can't do that. You can't be like, you know, you can't body like, you're, you're just, you're silent. You're not taking any advantage. You can't, so you can't do it. The next thing you can't do is be like, and I, just, I, just, I was just quiet because I told, I, was, I knew, my pastor said I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. You, you can't go run and tell somebody, okay? Like, you know, texting, you know, don't post it on Facebook. I was totally quiet today, you know. You, you blew it. You're, you lost, okay? You lost. Now, now, here's the thing. I joke about this, but here, here's what I'm hoping happens. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that I give you a gift this week. That you will have something that is just between you and your heavenly father. Because your life is hidden with Christ and God. And you will know, you know what? I, I could have said something, Lord, but I didn't. And you didn't either. I thank you for giving me the strength to do that. Now, here's the thing. The, the, it's hard, but it's even harder to keep it quiet. Like, like, okay, so I'll give you two examples. Um, I got one right now that I'm doing. I'm telling you right now, if I could stand up on this stool, I would shout out to everyone. And you'd be like, what? You were right. I'd be like, yeah. But I would have let it, I would have let it out. 
Another example is uh, there was a situation I'd gotten into where I was trying to exercise the discipline of silence, and I did it. And nobody knew about it, and I kept it to myself. And then uh, I was talking to a counselor uh, about ministry stuff and a coach, and uh, he was a, he's been a pastor for years, and, and uh, I, just had this, I, I just had this story. It was just between me and God. And so he was talking. I'm thinking to myself, you know, he can now. He's, he's like, he has to like swear. He, I could sue him if he told anything about. So like this is kind of like I'm not even saying anything. Because he's got, he's like bound by the law to keep this ironclad. And so I, I told him. And I felt like I lost something. I felt like God through that whole time was sustaining me going, I got you. Your life is hidden with me. You don't even have to worry about that. I got you. I got you. I got you. And then when I told someone, now again, the Lord wasn't like, you, bla- you blabbered that, you know, hmm. You know, he, he, it wasn't that. It was just, I just felt like, man, I could have gone to my grave with that, just having that be between me and my heavenly father. What, did I, what, would, how, what was it in me that I had to be that right? That is not self-sacrificing. That's not the, what Jesus showed me. And so that's, that's your exercise this week. It might be with a spouse. It might be with a coworker. It might be with somebody at the grocery line where you get in the thing with 15 items and they're, they're like, you have 16 and you count them and you're like, I got 14. Why don't you count them yourself? You know, you just look, okay, you know, whatever. Just silence. You're doing exactly what Jesus would do. You're doing exactly what your Heavenly Father has done. <laughs> 